Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. We uh, we have different people. We, we know that uh, the Stapletons, what, they traveled from, what was it, Cancun or whatever, the Caribbean, to, uh, they, they just got home sometime 5 a.m. this morning, and then Carolyn and the Slaters are still recovering from surgery. we got a few people, some of our families out, so, amen. But uh, it's great to see you all. We're able to make it this morning. The uh, I'm going to jump in. Alright, because we're going to cover a lot. I'm going to try to cover a lot. I'm very ambitious this morning uh, with what we're going to do. Because the, uh, we're, we're going to be ending our Hall of Faith series next week. I'm going to be wrapping it up. We've been going over uh, the Hebrews 11, the Heroes of Faith, for, for about the last three months. And so we'll be ending kind of our character series here with Moses, but then... We're going to go back to the Hebrews 11 scripture and and kind of see how the Hall of Faith ends and what our response should be to these exceptional men and women of faith. But before we do that, I want to talk about one of the last characters uh, that's mentioned in the, like given a a good chunk of space mentioned in the Hall of Faith, but I want to talk about Moses. All right? Moses. Now, who is Moses? If you don't know who Moses is... uh, he is probably one of the absolute most important people in all of Judaism. Right? You have like Father Abraham, who's like the, the father of faith, the beginning of, of the Israelite people back then. I mean, he's like the man that everybody remembers. But Moses, Moses is like the kind of a messianic figure that came before Jesus. Like, he's the guy that, that all of the Jews kind of know. I mean, if you, if you spoke to any Jewish person and you would say, Oh, do you know, what do you know about Moses? I mean, the biggest thing is they, they know well, all, all of the Torah, which is the kind of the Jewish book of the law, like their, their main scriptures, the Torah, is, is believed to be written by Moses. Like, he is the man. So the first five books of the Bible, actually, that we have, it's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books were all written by him. Moses actually appears in the, not in Genesis, but in Exodus and then the other four. All right. So I'm going to talk about Moses today, but let's understand that this is a man who appears in four books of the Bible. Alright, so I'm being very ambitious to say we're going to talk about Moses in one day. Like, this is a man that they've been studying the things that, the words that God gave him for literally thousands of years. We're we're looking at a time period somewhere between 3,300 to 3,500 years ago. Alright, so that's what we're looking at, the age of these scriptures. This, so I want to give you this idea. He is, the man in the Jewish faith. He's, he's an exceptional prophet of faith. And so I want to talk about who is he. So he's a guy that, just so you can understand, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, then you've seen you know, a little bit of kind of the idea of who Moses is. He was the guy that came, that God spoke to him. And, uh, well, first, his mom set him adrift in a basket on the Nile River because the Egyptian pharaoh said, all right, all the little Jewish boys, they need to die. So all the Jewish boys in Israel, you're going to throw them into the Nile River. Well, his mom 
kept him. She knew there was something special about him. And she kept him for three months. Then she put him in a little basket. And he actually ended up floating down the river to where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. And Pharaoh's daughter finds this basket, reaches in, pulls this baby out, and is like, oh, this must be one of the little like Jewish boys, the little Israelite boys. And now... Moses' sister, being a sly little girl, had been like running along the riverbank to kind of keep up and, and watch him. And, and she kind of pops out as one of the little servant girls. And she says, oh, do you want, essentially, like, should I go get a wet nurse or somebody for him? And she like ends up bringing Moses' mom to Pharaoh's daughter. And, and Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know this. She says, Oh, well, I'll pay you if you'll just take care of this little boy. Which is pretty sweet, because yeah. he was got to be taken care of by his mom. It's kind of cool how God worked that out. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was interesting, but he ended up actually being raised and educated as a son of Pharaoh. And he was raised in Pharaoh's household. He was, he was educated. He, he was a smart, intelligent man as a whole. But something happens to Moses. He... He figures out a little bit of who he is. He understands, like, hey, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Hebrew. He figures it out. And one day he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And he actually attacks this man and kills him. And then he, he tries to hide the body. And then they, he thinks nobody saw him. And he finds out that a couple people did see. So he runs away. He, he ends up leaving Egypt and running away and living in the desert. And... He, uh, in, while he's in the desert, he ends up getting into a, he finds this well and he's like struggling. He's there. He's at this well. He probably gets a little bit of water. And we're, we're talking like, you know, still, we're thinking arid place, right? Kind of definitely desert-ish. And he's there and these little, like these young girls show up. And I'm guessing he's probably at a little distance away. And then some shepherds show up and start harassing these little girls. And they, they kind of drive them. The girls run away from these shepherd guys. And, and Moses comes in and actually rescues them from them and drives these other guys away. And then he gives the little girls water and then he actually feeds the... Uh, he gives water to the, to the sheep that the little girls had brought as well. And, and he, he serves them. And anyways, I bring that up only because, one, I think it's pretty cool to see like the character of Moses. He's a guy who wants to protect, to take care of. He's... He's willing to kind of step up to a cause, in a sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so he's here, but he ends up living in the desert for, you know, several more decades. And one day he's walking around, he's taking care of these sheep, and he sees this fire off in the distance on the bush, right? If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you know, you see the whole, the burning bush kind of concept. And he's like, what is going on? So he walks over and he hears the voice of God, right? And... I, I, all of this is this is kind of the beginning of the story, and we're we're going to look at it. But when we look at who Moses is, I, and I, I'm giving you this picture, he ends up being the leader of the Israelite people for years and years and years. He ends up rescuing him, them, and, and doing a lot. But by the end of his life, I want to I want to work a little bit backwards. I've, I've already kind of started from the beginning, but I want to I want to fast forward about sixty years or so. All right. And we're going to look at the end of Moses' life before we, we, we look at kind of that's who he was. He was a guy. He, he had a good heart in many ways. But I want to look at this. Go to Hebrews 11. 
Because he is a, a man in the hall of faith who, like I said, I mean, he's, he's the Messiah figure before Jesus. He's the Savior of, of God's people in many ways. Um, and certainly God is, is obviously the, the true Savior of God's people in this story, but Moses played a huge role in this. And in Hebrews 11, I'm going to start in verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. I'm going to stop there. So these are, these are aspects and, and elements of, of Moses' character. These are the things that he's known for being victorious for. Like, he is a man of victory. We look back to him in many ways, and the Jewish people, they look at his teachings. He's the, like I said, he's the man. He's the victor. He's this exceptional prophet of faith. And I want us to... I want us to consider scripture. Turn over to Exodus 15. We are going to jump through a lot of scripture today. So I want to... um, My hope is really to paint a picture for the character of who Moses is, who he was before God, and how he lived, and, and honestly how he got there. But I want you to consider the people's perspective of Moses at this point. Right? Here at this point, he's been sent by God... He just brought all of, like, he's, he's going to the Pharaoh and having this, like, speaking to the Pharaoh, let my people go, let my people go. If you don't, this is what will happen. And then all of these plagues come. And so in the people's perspective, he's like, he, he's the guy saying, I'm going to lead them, they're going to follow me, come with me, like, come and worship your God, come and follow me. And then he says, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle is going to be happening, Right? So think about how the people view this guy. If you consider a hero, like there was a there's a book that's been written um, not so recently, but it's about essentially how people worship success. Like people like to be with winners is essentially the point. Like if you're if you're a loser, people don't typically follow you. But if it's if you can appear to be a winner, if you show yourself to be successful and, and all of these things, people want to, to follow you, even if you lack substance, right? And here, though, what we have is, is Moses. He's actually been being very humble, but then he's, these miraculous things are happening. And he's got like something like 700,000 people following him. Now, 
That's an intense idea to think of 700,000 people just following you where you're leading and, and even saying, like, we're going to follow. And obviously they're following the, the pillar of fire and the cloud that, that they could see of God. But he's a, in their eyes, he's a miracle worker, right? And so where we're going to pick up is they've literally just crossed the Red Sea with Moses, right? And what happened is they come to the end of... They come to the ocean and, and they've got all the chariots of Egypt coming after them and they can see it and Moses steps in the water and the water's part. I mean, can you imagine just... If I walked over to Lake Champlain and then I just stepped into the water and then all of the water just split in half? Can you just like try to imagine that for a second? Like what that would be like? And then they, they walk through to the other side. And then they get to the other side and the Egyptians are chasing after them coming through the water, and then they go up. Moses, like all the people make it through, lifts his hands, and then the water crashes back in and on these people. And, and so where we're going to pick up is where they're like praising God. Like Moses is actually the guy leading this song and, and singing. But you've got to think about how these people are feeling about Moses. In Exodus 15, verse 9, it says this, The enemy boasted, I will pursue and I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils and I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you, speaking of God, but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chief of Edom will be terrified, and the leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away and the terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. And until your people pass by, O Lord, until the people you bought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary. O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. You know, here he is, and he's singing, and he's, he's praising God. Moses is here. And let's just think about it for a second. If you just accomplished all of this, how would you be feeling about yourself? Right? I mean, if you just lifted your hands, like stepped into the water, and, and the lake parted in two, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself. Right? And yet, he's sitting here going, praise God. Like, I want you to praise God, O oh people of Israel. Like, make sure you know. And he's, he's glorifying God and praising God, but you've got to think of who he is. He's a man who's achieved victory right here. Great victory. And he's a, he's a champion of faith at the same time. He's like, praise God. Let's make sure we're praising God. Do you see how much God even loves you? And that's, that's a huge theme in this song. It's the people you have redeemed. The ones you love. And so he's trying to help these people and understand this victory of faith. 
But he's, he's there, and, and I'm, what I'm trying to do, guys, is I'm trying to really help us see, I know I've said it a lot, is him as a, as a victor. As a guy who's leading the people to victory. And, and this is after he's led them out of Egypt. And I am going to come back to a little bit of this, but I want you to flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because he's glorifying in the victory of God and in God's unfailing love. But the only reason all of this was possible was because Moses obeyed God. Like from, from the beginning. And we're going to talk about what some of this looked like for him. But before we do that, I, I want to just help us understand his character a little bit better. He's a champion of faith. This is the end of his life. Now, just so we understand, the book of Deuteronomy, this is like they're standing at the edge of the promised land. Moses didn't get to go in while he was alive. And so he's standing at the edge of the promised land and God told him, you're not allowed to go inside. You can't go in. Um, and there are reasons for that, but so Deuteronomy is essentially his last sermon. So if anybody ever complains that my sermons are long, please feel free to read all of the book of Deuteronomy. Consider how long that took, and then know that I don't preach that long. So amen. But um, you know he's he's there, and all of this book are kind of his last words to the people. He's like, "Do not forget this." And, and I, I just want to read this because this in a great way sums up so much of, of his last message to the people. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 3. He says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, he's, he's pleading them. The last thing he wants them to know is he's saying, obey God. Obey God. But here's the thing. God loves you. Love him in return. That's what he's calling them to. He says, Obey the commands. But what command do you need to pay attention to the most? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, and in this scripture, what we see is when he says this word hear, it actually means you could translate it as hear or listen, but it's not like the sound waves just enter your ear, like my mom said sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, it's not like that. This is the, you actually listen and obey. He's saying, you need to obey. He's really bringing this point home because he's saying, obey the commands, obey the commands. Listen, O Israel, obey these commands. But what's interesting is this is actually a cycle. And you see in Moses' life. Because what happened is at one point, he began to obey. And through that obedience, he saw the love of God. And from the love of God, 
He wanted to obey the Lord because he saw that it was good. And so what happens is you, you start with obedience and you see the goodness of God and you want to love Him. And then you, because you love God, you want to do good for God. And so therefore you obey God. And it, it continues to grow. And so as you obey, your actual love grows and your faith grows. And so at the end of his life, Moses is a man of exceptional faith. Right? Exceptional faith. But what I really want to talk about is this element. At the end, he was this. But what was he? How did he get there? Uh, turn over to Numbers 11. You know, he died at 120 years old. Yes, he died at 120 years old. That's pretty epic. It actually says he climbed to the top of this mountain, looked over into the promised land. It said his body was still vigorous. His eyes were strong. And, and it was that at that time he got to see the promised land. His, his work was done and the Lord took him, took him from that, that point. And they buried him in the valley. And it even says in the scripture, we don't know where he was buried. Nobody knows to this day. But he, he died on top of this mountain. And so he ended his life, though, as this exceptional man of faith. But what did he have to go through? Well, he had to go through a lot of hardship and trials to get there. In uh, Numbers 11, this is, uh, this is a pretty funny scripture. If you're a teacher, if you're a teacher or you've worked with a number of children... Uh, for many parents, you may think this is funny if you've worked as a, a boss of someone who, or many people who just don't work well, uh, you may appreciate the scripture. But in Numbers 11, Moses has crossed the Red Sea, he's there with the people, and he's been, God is actually great, like raining manna down from heaven. So it's kind of like a bready sort of substance that these people have been eating, and God's been providing for them all of this food, right? But they start to whine and complain because what they're saying is, no, we want meat to eat. We want meat. And so we're going to pick up here after all of these people in verse 11, in verse 10. <laughs> Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each to the entrance of his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you have put this burden of all of these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all of these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all of these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. <laughs> if, if I have found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. Now, I just think that's a little bit funny. Personally, He's walking around with hundreds of thousands of people crying and complaining. And he's finally like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. This great man of victory and faith, 
is suddenly like, please just kill me. I, I'm so tired of hearing these people complain and whine. Just take my life. Right? And, and so, this is supposed to be this great victor of faith, right? This hero of faith. This man that thousands of years later, the Jewish people are today still celebrating this man. And so many of the things that he did. And, and certainly they're celebrating God's success and, and victories, but they brought it through his obedience. But at this point, he's just like, please just let me die. I don't want to deal with these whiners anymore. They just complain. Like, just, just in my life, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Now, for me, that's a little encouraging. Uh, not because of you guys, I promise. But just in general, because even Moses, this exceptional man of faith, at times was just like, I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. I mean, have, have we ever had that time where you felt like, man, do I really want to do this anymore? Because that's, that's just reality. If you haven't had that thought, you probably haven't tried to be a Christian long enough yet. Uh, or, or, you know, if you've, if you've had that, I mean, just the truth. But that's when you've got to go back to Jesus and make sure you're getting your strength from Him. And ultimately, that's what Moses would do. And even in this moment, that's what he's doing. He's crying out to God. He's talking to God about the things going on in his life. He's, he's asking God, well, to take his life or to find a way to give him the strength that he needs. Does that make sense? And it's funny. For us, we're going to go through trials and hardship. But how do we respond, right? Do you just walk away or do you go to God? Moses didn't walk away. He did ask God. He's like, hey, can you, can you take this away from me? Just, I'd be happy if you just killed me now. <laughs> But that's, that's where he was at. You know, he doesn't seem to be feeling very loved at this moment by God. But I want to show you the scripture. Go to the next chapter in Numbers 12, verse 1. See, Moses had actually his, two of his siblings with him. And they're named Mo, uh, Miriam and Aaron. And they've kind of been, Aaron has been a guy who's, He's worked with really closely. Miriam also is filled with the Spirit of the Lord. But even at this point, Moses is the man that God's really trying to use. And he's used his siblings as well. But I want to show you, the discouragement kind of kept coming, but God actually brought some encouragement in Moses' way. Starting in, in verse 1. It says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, pause. I just have to laugh at that because Moses actually wrote this. So he's like, Moses was the most humble man alive. Anybody else get that? Like... So, anyways, going back. At once the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out. Then, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron, Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words, 
When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. When I speak with him, I speak face to face. Clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burnt against them. And he left. He left them. You know, you ever had anybody just step in and like have your back in a moment when you really needed somebody? I mean, he's got literally hundreds of thousands of people complaining that he's having to deal with, right? And then, now his own family is, is coming at him. And then God's like, no, look, I have it back. <laughs> he's like, bring them to me. And then, he actually, God speaks to them straight. How dare you? But you got to think about this. Like, how hard would that be? That your own family is opposing you as you're doing the work. But the reality is sometimes that happens in the life of Christians today. People who really want to do the things for God and really live that way, they will get opposed. That's the truth. Jesus actually said, you will be persecuted. But I look at this and know that this had to be really challenging for him. I love his humility though. It Ultimately, you know, he is saying, I am humble. I think a humble person is allowed to say, I am humble. Right? Though, proud people will definitely also say, I am humble. (laughs) So, that's the Lord's heart, and it takes a lot of discernment to say that. But, I do think that when I look at at Moses, and I don't know about you guys, there was a time, and I'll share this story really quickly. We were at this, uh, this big conference, and there was a large HOPE event happening. So this is a, an international aid organization, if you don't know what HOPE is. And, and we were doing a service project, and we were at a, a college conference. So it was all college students, and there's about 1,600 college students all there coming up to serve. And so they're all kind of milling around outside the hotel. There's no direction. We're all supposed to get on these buses, but they're like... 600 yards away, you can't really see where we're supposed to go. And the day before, I happened to speak to somebody who told me, oh, it's going to be over in that area. And, and the person who helped coordinate the event was there. Everybody's standing in the lobby. You've got literally hundreds of people just standing in the lobby. You've got a thousand people just standing outside, right outside the hotel. And nobody's moving. There's no direction. There's Nobody knows where they're going. And so, I knew where everybody's supposed to be and I'm like we're supposed to be on these buses in like half an hour how is this going to happen nobody's saying anything I couldn't find anybody who was supposed to run this stuff so I literally ran out stood on top of this giant concrete ball and I jumped on top and I'm like standing there I'm like got everybody's attention I'm like hey hey be quiet you know everybody gets quiet and they're standing there I'm like shouting at the top of my voice Everybody needs to go over there. And I'm like, start yelling. And then I'm like, all right, now go. <laughs> and like a thousand people just started walking. Wow. Power trip in that moment. I was on a power trip. I was like, that was awesome. I just yelled at a thousand people to move and they moved. And here Moses is 
I mean, I definitely was struggling with some pride in my heart at that moment. I'll be totally real. Here Moses is working with 700,000 people, right? And yet, God refers to him as the most humble man on the face of the earth. That's pretty incredible. I've got to give this guy props. But here they are, and he's, he's going through these trials, and, and he's going through all of this. But ultimately, I think the point you can take away from this is God has the back of the humble person. Right? He's got the humble person's back. Now, I'm going to run through this last bit really quickly. I know this has, has been taking a little while, but let's look at this. Moses wasn't always this incredible man of faith. Look at Exodus chapter 4. You know, Moses was obedient to God. But Moses wasn't always obedient to God. We'll start in Exodus 4, verse 1. God is, this is after the burning bush. He's gone to the burning bush. God has told him, alright, you're going to go and save my people. You're going to go and tell Pharaoh to let him go. You're going to go and do all of this. And this is how Moses responds. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me? And say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, Alright, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses, Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a, became a snake. And he ran from it. I, I think that's fine. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. That would be a little bit of faith right there. Like, they're like, grab a snake by the tail. Right? He already ran away from the thing. He's got to grab it. Personally, a little bit of obedience right there. That took some faith. But reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that you may believe that, that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back in your cloak. That would just be weird. But now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miracle, miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, Take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, now now he's like, God's like, alright, I'll give you miracles to do. Then this is what Moses says. Oh, oh Lord, I've never been an eloquent speaker, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O oh Lord, please, send someone else. <laughs> this man that would be a hero of the faith, saying, please send someone else to do it. You know, I'm going to stop there. I, I look at this scripture, and I see, I, I see this. This man, who's supposed to be this hero of faith, 
He had to find a point to where he would learn to obey. He had to find a point so that he could see the love of God. And for us, a lot of us, we look at this and we go, why don't I feel loving towards God? Why don't I feel more? Well, are you trying to obey God's word? And maybe you're obeying God's word, but are you forgetting the most important command that Moses said in the very beginning? To love the Lord. Right? To love the Lord your God. Because we can get caught up in this religion where we do, do, do all of these things, and then we just lose it. Right? And we start living in, in this lifestyle in a way that really isn't helping us know God and love God. And so... In all of this, it, it talks about Moses. It talks about how he's this incredible man of faith. The ultimate thing is, we can't grow in our love for God until we learn to obey initially. A heart that's not willing to submit is a heart that cannot love God. Because you'll never see what's so good about God until you learn to be humble and submissive to God. The arrogant can't love God. It's just... It's not possible. And Moses was a man who was so humble, not because he, you know, this humility is not this cowarding kind of, I'm so scared of people. I mean, he did, well, this is a good thing, he got into a fight with one guy, killed him, got into a fight and chased off another bunch of shepherds. The guy's not a coward. But here he is, he's someone he just didn't want to obey, but finally he submitted and he saw the goodness of God. At the end of his life, he's telling them, God's unfailing love, Don't forget about his unfailing love. Obey his commands. It will go well with you. You will continue to receive blessings. And I guess in all of this, it can be summed up in this last scripture by Jesus. In John 8. In John 8, verse 31. Jesus says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 34, he says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Here's the reality. Moses saved the Israelite people from slavery. But that only happened because he obeyed. Jesus says that everyone is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins, and we've all sinned. Even the best of us have sinned. But Jesus says we've all sinned. He says, but if you obey my teachings, if you follow my teachings, you will be set free. Right? Moses saw miracles. He saw the love of God. He saw incredible things happen. And in all of this, I know this. Moses was a man of victory. And he was a great man of faith. He went through his trials and hardship. We will too. But God believed in Moses and who Moses would be. God believes in you and who you will be. And the ultimate question is, will you obey well enough to see God's blessings in your life? This is Moses' story. This is his life. And this is what God did through him. But ultimately the question comes for you, is what are you going to do? And what's going to be your story? Will you be someone that obeys and see the miracles? And sees the love of God? Or someone that turns and just says, please choose someone else. And then walks away. Amen. 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 Amen.